Kids were a little wild this morning. I think they might be excited about uh, going back to school tomorrow. Oh, no, is that not it? Oh, Christmas. Yeah, they're probably excited about Christmas coming up. I bet that's what it is. You know, I drove my parents crazy in the lead up to Christmas. I mean, Christmas was just one of my favorite times of year and just the, the anticipation of Santa coming and the presents and the cookies and the food and the decorations and the music, all of it just got me so excited and I still get excited today about Christmas and I love this time of year. It's one of my favorite times of, of year. But waiting for Christmas it can be hard for kids. And I don't know if you ever did this, but my mom would have us make these little paper chains. You ever make those little paper chains? And you'd break one off every day leading up to Christmas. And oh, I got so excited when it got down to just those three or four pieces of paper that were left on that. Or if you had the advent calendar, you'd open the door and get the piece of chocolate. And that was kind of sad. Just got to Christmas, there's no more chocolate, right? But, but it just, that, that building, that anticipation, trying to pass that time, waiting for Christmas to get here. And that's what Advent is all about. It's about waiting, anticipating, preparing for Christmas. When we celebrate the birth of Emmanuel, the beginning of the good news that God is with us. Uh, and waiting to hear highly anticipated good news can be hard sometimes. Maybe you've had to wait for the good news of a baby has been born. Or you're waiting for some good news, hopefully a good test result will come about, or you're waiting to hear somebody coming through surgery that they've done well. Maybe you've waited for a promotion or a raise or to get that letter from the college you've applied to. And waiting for that good news can be torture. It can be hard to do. The story of Christmas begins with that kind of waiting. The expectation that the Messiah would come, that God would make good on His ancient promises. And this morning I want us to think about how we should wait expectantly for the good news that God is working in our lives and in our world. You know, our world seems to be filled with more bad news than good news. And it can be depressing sometimes when you turn on the news or you pick up your phone or the open the newspaper. It's just bad news after bad news after bad news. We need to hear some good news. And that's what we're going to focus on this Advent. And, and I hope that we can wait for Christmas to come and wait for God to be at work in our life, in our world, with the kind of expectation that Mary and Joseph, that Elizabeth and Zechariah, that the people of Israel had. And how do we do that? Well, well I'm going to give us a few pointers. And the first thing is we wait with patience. We wait with patience. As I mentioned, I might struggle a little bit with that, with patience. I'm not the best at waiting in line at Walmart and I'm one of those people that stands in this line, it's not moving fast enough, I jump to the next line, and then this line is moving faster, and I get frustrated, and I get back in this line, and that line moves faster. It's like driving in Atlanta traffic. It happens every time, right? That's what happens. So I'm not the best at being patient, and I'm as bad as anybody wanting to Christmas to hurry and get here. I told Julia, I said, can we put up the Christmas tree like, you know, the day after Halloween next year? And she said, No. You've got to have Thanksgiving. Well, you can have Christmas 1.0, then Thanksgiving, then Christmas 2.0, right? I mean, I mean, I love this time of year, everything about it, so I'm not the best at waiting. But the kind of waiting that we talk about in Advent isn't like waiting in line. It's not like waiting in traffic. It's not sitting down in, in the doctor's office, twiddling your thumbs and wondering how much longer we're going to be. It's an active kind of waiting where we live this present moment to the fullest so that we can see and hear the signs of the one 
for whom we are waiting. It's like when my family and I went out west to the Grand Canyon and back, and, and Abby and her cousins were in the van with me and Julia, and sometimes they would get restless, they would fidget, they would say, are we there yet? Are we, are we still in Kansas? Are we still in Kansas? Yes, we're still in Kansas. I mean, we were in Kansas a long time. But sometimes they weren't. Sometimes they were laughing and cutting up and playing video games. We were singing music. We were playing the alphabet game on the road. And, and it all depended on their attitude at that moment. They could either enjoy the trip or they could be exhausted with the trip. And people can be that way, right? There are some people who relish the journey. The journey is just what's fun and exciting. Other people endure the journey. They want to get to the destination. Are we there yet? It's all about our attitude. And just as we wait through Advent for Christmas, and you can't rush Christmas. December 25th is December 25th. It will get here when it gets here. So we also can't rush God. We can't speed through life and, and rush God as well. He answers prayers and He works in our lives on His timetable. And what we should do as we wait for God to work in our lives is enjoy the moment. Enjoy the present because once it passes, it's history, y'all. You can't reclaim it. You can't go back and get it again. We need to treat every second, every hour, every day as the gift from God that it is. Psalm 41 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. And Paul says in Romans 12, 12, Be joyful in hope, patient, even in affliction. It's one thing to be patient when times are good, but to be patient even in affliction, faithful in prayer. We wait with patience in the good times and in the bad, in the ups and in the downs. And secondly, we wait with faith. Paul mentioned being faithful in prayer. We need to wait with faith. I've said this before, faith is not the absence of doubt, it's pressing on despite your doubt. We all have doubts. We all struggle with, with questions. We all at times ask, how long, O Lord, have you forgotten us? We all struggle, as Job did, with that in difficult times. Faith is being able to press on despite those doubts and struggles and questions because the essence of faith is relationship. It's not just something you believe and think up here. It's something you know down here because you have a relationship with God. We can trust God to do what He says and to be who He says because we know Him, because we've entrusted our lives to Him and He reveals Himself to us. Paul writes this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7-10. through 10. He says, But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason we labor and strive, because we put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those believe. Paul here links discipline, training ourselves in godliness, he links that with hope, with promise, with rewards. You know, athletes train because they believe they can win. Auburn believed they could win yesterday. And they almost did. Man, I wish they had. 
You know, a football team, a baseball team, the Atlanta Braves, they trained, they practiced, they gave it their all because they believed they could win. No team, no athlete goes into it thinking, well, I don't know why I'm doing this. We're probably going to win anyway. I mean, Tennessee maybe does that sometimes, but <laughs> not this year. And the same is true for us. We wait for Christmas because we believe, we know Christmas is going to come. We know that it has come. Jesus has been born. We know that Christmas is true. And we know that it points us forward to His second coming, to a final advent for which we wait in hopeful expectation, just as the Jews waited in hopeful expectation for the first coming of the Messiah. And really, that, to me, that's one of the great things about Advent is it really reflects our faith in three dimensions. We believe that Jesus has come in history. It's a historical event. It has happened. We believe that Jesus does come into our lives. He's born anew into our lives when we worship, when we open up His Word, when we open our mouths to share the Gospel. Jesus has come. Jesus does come to us in the present moment. And we believe Jesus will come again in the future. That's Advent encapsulates all three of those dimensions of our faith. But third, we not only wait with patience and with faith, we wait with a promise. Waiting really is essential for our spiritual growth. And again, it's not that empty, passive kind of waiting. We wait with a promise in our hearts that makes what we're waiting for already present. When we have hope for heaven, heaven is already present in our heart. When we have faith and we wait with expectation for God to speak and to work, He is already present doing that in our lives. Think about it like this. At Christmas, we celebrate Jesus' birth into the world 2,000 years ago, but at the same time, we are seeking and asking for Jesus to come more fully, to fill us up more every single day in our lives through faith, by God's grace. And at the same time, we prepare our hearts and our world and we wait for Jesus to come again when He makes all things new. Advent is about that. It's about expectation, waiting, which is remembering what has been, celebrating what is now, anticipating what is to come. We have the good news, the promise of God in His Word. This book is full of prophecies that have been fulfilled, prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled. This book is full of promises that can be fulfilled today in each and every one of our lives if we believe them, if we embrace them in faith, if we surrender our lives to the working of God. It's more than just a verse to memorize. It's more than just some kind of name it and claim it kind of prosperity gospel. That's not what we're talking about. The good news is a story. It's the story. It's the story of the entire Word of God and it isn't just something that happened back then to someone else. It's not just something that will happen someday to someone else. It's something that can happen for you. It's something that can happen for me every day if we believe. We wait with patience, with faith, with a promise from God. Believing that we have it, believing that we will have it, believing that it's true. And finally, we wait with discipline. And really, that's the key to all of this. How do we wait with patience? How do we wait with faith? How do we wait hanging on to the promise of God's Word? We do it with discipline. Listen again to what Paul says, continuing that 
analogy of an athlete in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, Don't you know that the runners in the stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. And what it means is, you know, somebody who is a disciplined athlete, they're training for the Olympics, they, uh, they exercise self-control in their sleep, in, in their diet, in their exercise. And, I mean, they, every aspect of their life has to be controlled and disciplined. And he says they do all of that to receive a perishable crown. You know, in the Roman games, they would give the victor a, a laurel crown. It was a crown that would fade, that would perish. You know, much as these poinsettias, as beautiful as they are, in four weeks we're kind of like, okay, can we find some good spots to turn this around, right? I mean, they don't look like this come Christmas. They perish. But Paul says, we do this. We discipline and train ourselves in godliness to receive an imperishable crown. He says, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly. He says, I don't box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Waiting is hard work. It's like training for the Olympics. It's about disciplining yourself. And and I think that the season of Advent has a lot of value, not just in the festivities, not just in the decorations, not just in the counting down the days to Christmas, but training ourselves to better wait for God all year long. We need that practice of waiting. We have to work at it through spiritual disciplines. Spending time in God's Word and in prayer every day. Have you been reading God's Word every day this year? What's been your regimen? Maybe, like me, you're reading through the Bible. Maybe you made it to Leviticus and got bogged down. It's okay, it happens. First Chronicles, you know, all those genealogies. You know, sometimes people get lost in that. It's okay. But next year, come 2022, January 1st, have a plan. How are you going to spend time in God's Word next year? I hope that between now and then, you'll use our Advent devotional. We've got some extra copies out in the vestibule. Pick one up. This is a great way to, to read the verses that are listed there. Read the devotional that someone here in this room has written. And spend some time in prayer. Slow down and take some time to spend with the Lord and wait with discipline for God to speak to you. We, we do it through the discipline of corporate worship. When we gather together on these Sunday mornings to sit under the preaching of God's Word, to be in Sunday school sitting under the teaching of God's Word, to unite our voices and our hearts and minds together in worship and in praise, that is spiritual discipline. That is training us in godliness. When we serve and minister to others, it could be through drive-through nativity or wrapping those foster care gifts. It could be volunteering some time at Mana while you're out of school or off work. We can take opportunities to minister to others, to be a blessing to others during this season and so discipline ourselves. You know, it's just, just like we prepare our houses with lights and with the Christmas tree and other decorations... We need to prepare our lives for Christ to come and do something amazing. Are you doing that? Are you preparing your life for Jesus? If He were to come back today, would you be ready? Do you know Him? Are you right with Him? Are you ready for Him to come into your heart today? How do we do this? How do we discipline ourselves and prepare our hearts for Jesus? Isaiah 57, 14, Isaiah says that it will be said, build up. Build up. 
prepare the road. How do you do that? Remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. So the first thing we need to do to prepare our hearts for Christmas, just as we prepare our homes, is remove the clutter. You know, sometimes when you go to decorate your house for Christmas, you've got to remove the clutter first, right? You've got to clean up. You've got to take things down. You've got to clean things away. Sometimes you just maybe start a little bin for the yard sale. What is the junk that is filling up your life and keeping Christ from being in your life fully? What are the obstacles that you need to remove? Now, when we fill our lives with so much stuff and so many worries and we overschedule our calendar, it's like we squeeze God out. We don't leave any margin, any room for Jesus to surprise us. Sometimes we wonder, why don't I see God work in my life like He did in the Bible? Why don't I have these amazing you know, insights from the Lord? Well, we've got to give Him room. In the Christmas story, you know, there was no room in the inn. Jesus was born in a stable. Sometimes we push Jesus out of our lives into the cold because there's no room. We're busy. We've got places to go. We've got things to do. We've got presents to buy. We can fill up. I want to challenge you this Advent season, remove the clutter. Say no to some things. Be intentional to slow down and give God space to surprise you this Advent and Christmas. But it's not just enough to clean the house. Cleaning the house is not the same thing as decorating the house, right? We need to deck the halls. Deck the halls of our heart. Once we remove that clutter, adorn our hearts in preparation for Jesus to come into our lives more fully. You know, uh, it's, it's not enough to remove the obstacles. We also have to make straight and smooth the path. Uh, remember John the Baptist, his ministry, what he said about his ministry. He quoted Isaiah 40, a prophecy of the coming of the Messiah and the one who would prepare the way for the Messiah. Listen to what Isaiah says. He's prophesying about John the Baptist. He says, a voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. We, we remove the hills and the mountains. We take out those obstacles in our lives. But then we've got to fill in the, 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 the valleys and the ruts that those obstacles have left. We have to raise those things up. So we remove the clutter, we, get, we clear the obstacles, but then we have to continue to prepare our hearts for God. We have to adorn our hearts the same way we adorn our homes and we wear Christmas ties and sweaters and things. We've got to adorn our hearts with things like, you know, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. And faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I think those are some pretty good places to start, don't you? Are you removing the clutter? Are you adorning your heart? Thinking upon those things that are beautiful and good and true and praiseworthy. And then finally, enjoy the festivities, right? We, we clean out the clutter, we decorate our homes, but then we want people to come over, right? We want to celebrate. We want to have family and friends over. We want to have a party and send out Christmas cards and exchange gifts and sing Christmas carols. We want to bake goodies and, most importantly, eat the goodies. We enjoy the festivities. As followers of Jesus, we need to enjoy the festivities of discipleship. 
by loving God. As we come together in worship to share stories and sermon and song and Scripture, we celebrate together with one another on Sunday mornings the beautiful glory of God and the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. We celebrate by loving God. We celebrate by loving each other. We love one another as we do life together, as we come together in fellowship, as we serve one another and we bless one another and we grow together in the study of God's Word, as we come on Wednesday nights and sit around the table and break bread, as your Sunday school classes get together to celebrate Christmas, we celebrate and enjoy the festivities of discipleship by loving one another and most importantly by making disciples of Jesus from all generations, from our neighbors to the nations, as we pray and we give and we go to tell the good news over the hills and everywhere that Jesus Christ is born. That's how we enjoy the festivities of being a follower of Jesus. We love God, we love one another, and we go and we share the good news with others. To prepare the way for Jesus in your life, remove the clutter. Remove the things of this world that distract you, that draw you away from Jesus, that fill your life up to the point that it's days and weeks and you're like, man, I've not even opened my Bible. I've not spent any time in prayer. You miss one Sunday, becomes two Sundays, becomes a month worth of Sundays. Remove the clutter. Replace it with those things that are pure and beautiful and holy and true. Join in the party of the Christian life through worship and fellowship and service and disciple making. My prayer this Advent is that we would come to expect God to move and work in us Ways that are beyond our imagination. Empowering us to do things we could never do on our own. Inspiring us to think outside the box of how we share the good news of Christ with others. And wait with great expectation for God to break through in our hearts, in our homes, in our church, in our community, in our country. Patiently waiting for that with faith, with hope, with discipline. What are the rough places in your life this morning? What are the obstacles along your path that need to be removed and made smooth so you can hear God's voice more clearly this Advent? Let's pray for God to prepare the way before us, to make straight our path to Him. That's what God wants to do. He wants to make it easy. He wants to clear out the stuff that gets in the way. He wants you to come him. It's like the story of the prodigal son. The, the father was, was, he was waiting with expectation and patience, waiting for his son to come home. And did he put obstacles in his way? Did he make him jump through hoops? Did he make it hard? No. The son was doing that. He was like, okay, even he wrote a speech. Okay, I've got to apologize to dad. He's never going to accept me back as a son, maybe as a servant. And he was rehearsing all this. But when he came home, the father just embraced him through a party put a robe on his back and a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and said, my son was dead, but he is alive. He was lost, but he is found. That's what Jesus wants to do for you. Come home to him. He has made it easy. He's removed all the obstacles. What obstacles are you putting in the way? Whatever God is speaking to you this morning, maybe this morning you do need to come to faith in Christ. You know, you've celebrated Christmas, but you don't really know Christmas in your heart because you've never given your life to Christ. You've never experienced His grace. 
What a better thing to do to start this season than to come and to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ for the first time. Maybe for you, you need to come and spend some time praying at this altar. Maybe you need to come and say, God, I've, I've allowed myself to get so distracted by the world's priorities and values and I, I just want to lay all that down at your feet. I want to, I want to remove the clutter and, and take out these obstacles. I just want to come and experience you anew in a fresh Jesus. Maybe God is calling you to not with this church family. That this is the place where you know you're to enjoy the festivities of discipleship. This is where you know God wants you to love Him, to love the body of Christ, and to reach the world with these people. Whatever God is speaking to your heart, let's be obedient. Let's step out with faith and hope and patience. Let's stand and pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for Your wonderful grace that we experience anew this time of year as we return once more to the story of the birth of Jesus where you entered into time and space. You came to inhabit the world that you made. You put on flesh and blood and you lived as one of us so that you could die for us, so that we could take on the righteousness of Christ and live forever with you. Lord, if there's anyone here today that needs to experience that, I pray they would come. Whatever you're laying on our hearts, God, may we be obedient and faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.